You're listening to For the Love of Freelance. Today, Tia and I are joined by Danielle Labonte, founder and creative director of a Toronto-based boutique graphic design studio. We're talking about how to find creative inspiration with each client, staying creative outside of work, and how to be multi-passionate without being overwhelmed. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, me and Tia have both been listening to your podcast recently, and we are so excited to get to know you a lot more. Oh, it's a huge passion project of mine and something I, I love to talk about just outside of my design studio as well. I feel like passion projects are super important and keep us inspired, but we'll touch all on that. But thank you so much for the introduction. I'm so happy that you're liking my podcast as well, just as much as I love yours. Us too. So I thought it could be fun today to just do a small speed round of questions to get the juices flowing. Are you ready? Oh, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Question one, where are you from? I am from a small town just outside of Toronto. I'm about like a 45 minute drive. It's called Hamilton, right in Canada. Awesome. And is that where you still are today? I am. You know, I moved around the Toronto area, but I grew up here as a child and then I landed back here and probably going to stay for the rest of my life, maybe travel. But in terms of where I'm based, it's it's here and it's probably going to be here for quite some time. I love it. What was your job before you became a creative director and podcast host? I jumped around quite a few times Well, I was freelancing part-time and working part-time at different companies. The last one I worked at was at a yoga studio and I was doing her graphics and communication. Prior to that, art sales. So kind of all over the place, but definitely led me to where I am today. I love that. What's the best tool you use for your business right now? Oh man, I love this question. So recently I indulged and it's not even indulged, but I indulged and I got myself an iPad Pro. I think I fought myself on this purchase for so long. So I thought my iMac is fine. My laptop is fine. Who needs an iPad? Truly, if you're an illustration or you love Adobe Illustrator, it is so much more refined if you are trying to illustrate because your actual iPad pencil when you touch it, it feels more authentic than when you're trying to do it on a computer. So that was the best purchase I did considering I do that quite a bit for some of my clients. Anna and I were just having a chat about we both got new computers the last week and we're so excited about it. So we're big fans of new tools. They're babies. They're like our babies. I know. Exactly. What's your go-to coffee shop order? Okay, I love this even more. Wow, great <laughs> questions. I love these. Okay, so recently in the summer months, even in the fall, I don't know what I'm talking about. I've really been getting into either a double shot on ice and that's when I'm really exhausted and I probably need to sleep more, but I, you know, gravitate right towards that double shot on ice. If not, and it's probably my afternoon beverage, I always go towards an iced chai tea latte with oat milk. So good. And I don't feel as maybe like dehydrated or Mm -hmm. I feel like we get anxiety from coffee. So it's just like, I need my caffeine fix, but I don't feel as bad as I do when I have my double shot on ice. I feel like I have perpetual coffee anxiety, so I've just learned to live with it Agreed. at this point. <laughs> Are you uh, like iced coffee all year round or you switch it off versus the seasons? Oh, it totally, it, it switches with the seasons. I'm totally a okay. seasonal person. If it's like winter and it's really cold, I honestly am really boring and I will just have an espresso shot or a latte, like a plain old latte. Anna, what's your go-to coffee shop order? 
Well, right now I've really been into dirty chais, but a double shot dirty chai. So I kind of get like the creaminess of a chai, Mm -hmm. but I add a ton of espresso to it. So good. And I'm a hot coffee all year round kind of person. I just think it works better than iced coffee, but I don't know the science behind it. (laughs) (laughs) whatever works for each of us i'm like iced coffee all year round doesn't matter we also just moved to austin texas so i feel like i don't really need hot coffee anymore when it's 100 degrees every day (laughs) (laughs) danielle what was the worst business decision you've made so you know you have a couple right it's like (laughs) picking the worst one is truly like so hard at the end of the day because you learn so much in your business journey I would say my worst one would probably just having zero boundaries for myself and taking on everything possible, working with anybody versus really sitting down and identifying my niche and who is an ideal client at the end of the day. But you live and learn, but that truly was one of my biggest mistakes because if you're looking for burnout, you will achieve it. And that is exactly what I did for myself. And so if there's one mistake I've learned from, it is that one. I think we've all been there before and just said like, sure, of course. And then uh, we're just in that burnout and like set our boundaries immediately after that. Exactly. What's the best business decision you've made? The best business decision I made was coming to terms with the fact that I couldn't do everything myself. Although I am the face behind my brand, like I literally call what I do, Daniela Bonte Designs, I have people that help me and I have no problem admitting that now. But I would say two years ago, I would probably have a problem with it. I just didn't know if I could get there. I didn't know if it was reasonable to ask for help. Now I totally love contracting other freelancers out to help me sometimes, especially if it's an an area that I don't specialize in or I want to help somebody out with, but maybe I can only help out in a specific area. So combining our services, becoming partners. That is one of the best business decisions I've made is truly contracting out other amazing freelancers or employees, finding employees, anything like that. That was one of the best things I did. How many employees do you have right now? I love that you brought this up because I'm actually in a completely different season of my business currently. So right now, a lot of people don't realize this, but it's kind of like a one-man show. I have my assistant. And she helps with the admin because at the end of the day, I don't know if I enjoy doing it. I mean, I can do it, but I don't know if I love it. I'd rather put my time in towards something else. But I used to have interns and junior designers. And with the summer, I actually shifted into more of that literal boutique one-man show type of thing. And that's actually because I made a decision to cut down the amount of work I took during the summer so that I could travel a bit more and enjoy myself. I went back to Italy and France. I haven't been there in years. It was a dream vacation I had planned years ago. And I don't know if it would have been possible if I had a whole team relying on me to communicate all the time. So right now, it's really just me and my assistant. Yeah, that makes sense though. I think it's super important to outsource the pieces that you don't find as enjoyable as the other things, especially when trying to avoid burnout and just get the most out of your days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people don't think that we have a small team when they start emailing freelancing females and we're like, we're about three people back here, so we'll get back to you as soon as possible. (laughs) You would never know, though, truly. And it's the same thing with my business. I get people that reach out 
and they're like, oh, can I get in the best contact with somebody on your team? Maybe a a manager of some sorts. And I think, okay, I guess maybe if you were to scroll down on my Instagram, you would see there were more people, but currently no. And I guess I have to refresh and let people know that right now, like their best point of contact is me and possibly my assistant in other cases. Yeah, you're the manager, you're the financial consultant, you're the... Everything. (laughs) So Danielle, you said you had a lot of different lives before the business that you're at today. Could you bring us along on your journey a little bit of what led you to what you're working on today? Yeah, absolutely. Long story short, because sometimes I find it's long, so I'm going to condense it a little bit, but... Originally, I had a really intensive background in art history. I had lived in Italy for the summer, and I was really exploring the architecture and specifically Renaissance art, and I was writing a massive thesis, considering myself to be a curator. So I was working really hard towards that while doing art sales as soon as I returned, and I was in art sales for quite some time. I think I hated my life, though, truly, at the end of the day, if I can make a joke about it now. I mean, in hindsight, back then, I definitely didn't find it funny. I was not laughing at all. I probably cried more than I laughed. But I just realized at that time in my journey, I did not want to be in a book. Although I enjoyed research, I wasn't loving it. It was super extensive. And when I was meeting people in my networking circle previously, which is completely different from my now, but previously, you saw so much passion in their eyes. And they were so happy to talk about it. And I remember thinking, wow, I kind of sound dull, not to make fun of myself, but like, I'm not that entertaining to listen to when it comes to this stuff. And is this my sign? As soon as I returned, I continued on my sales jobs and I left school. I was really not knowing what the heck to do with myself. I kept telling people, I want to work for myself, but I really don't know how this looks. I feel like right now we talk a lot more about freelancing and we talk a lot more about starting businesses as females. But back then, I couldn't find anything online. So I was kind of bouncing around, jumping around things. I thought maybe I could do video editing. Maybe I could just do illustrating and that's it. I truly was jumping around. And then I started back up in school again. And I felt like the old duckling in my program because everyone was so young. And I thought, why am I going back into school? But I felt I needed at the time. I felt I needed this and more education. I started freelancing alongside it, worked at that yoga studio, and was helping her a lot with her graphics and communications. Once I finished, I realized I can do this thing full time. So I went through a lot of different fields. I cried more times than not, like I said, truly, like at the thought of me not knowing who I was at a specific age. I think in society, we think we need to have ourselves figured out in our like early and mid 20s. And I feel like that's kind of a lie. I think everyone's on a different journey. And it's hard to accept it. But I came to terms with it. And I'm, I couldn't be happier with where I am today. So you had said that you kind of started thinking about freelancing, but there wasn't really any resources at the time. About what time was that in your journey? Okay, so this would probably be about like seven to eight years ago, maybe even six. I just feel like Instagram was a completely different platform and that's what I was kind of using to post my work. And then when I tried to find mentors online, it wasn't really working out for me. I couldn't really find someone that could help me navigate that kind of thing. But at the same time, you can't really expect people to help you either. You kind of end up learning in your own way. And that's what I kind of did through trial and error. I posted some things a long time ago that maybe I could do a little better now, but I don't regret posting as much content as I did. 
and growing with the platforms and the algorithm that we experience today. So yeah, I would say about six years ago, I just didn't find it as extensive as it is online to talk about business, to talk about freelancing and how you can go full-time as a freelancer or operate whatever services you want to provide for your dream clients. I I couldn't find much of it online. Maybe if I was doing a deep, deep hunt on Google, I could have. But at the given time that I was trying it all out and trying to learn more about it, it was just a little limited. Yeah, we felt the same way five years ago. And I think just today, we're starting to hear more and more about freelancing, especially because there's more of us just working from home nowadays. And the ability to do so is much more sought out. And there's people like you, right? Your platform is tremendous for women out there that want to start something and do something on their own terms. But sometimes we just need a little nudge or we need to learn more about the industry or see what industry suits us best. I do have a little question for you because I've been following you for quite a few years. What was your initial thought when you started freelancing females? (laughs) I didn't think that it would be what we are today, definitely. So I had started freelancing females because I was a newer freelancer about a year in and very frustrated with the system of, you know, people didn't understand what freelance was. They didn't give it the time of day. They didn't see it as somebody coming here with a higher skill set and very niched into their skill set, they saw it as like a cheaper way to hire someone. And that's completely not the case. And especially for women, we weren't getting paid what we were worth, even more so than a traditional nine to five. There's a much bigger gender pay disparity in the freelance realm. And I just wanted people to talk more about it and I wanted to find like-minded women that I could learn from and, you know, help out in the process. So that's why I started the Facebook group and then it came into what Freelancing Females is today after, you know, learning so much from each other and asking questions about what people really needed from this space. And we're continuously changing as the freelance realm changes You know, it's very different from when I started five years ago thinking about what freelancing females could be to today where we still are working on gender pay disparity and everything else, but I think people are starting to realize how important freelance is and that you should be hiring more freelancers in your business versus traditional nine-to-fivers. And also, what is traditional nine-to-five now, today? We're starting to experiment with a four-day work week and... You know, I loved when you said you actually decided to cut down on your work this summer because you wanted that time for creativity and everything else. I think it's very important nowadays to really start recognizing that you don't need to work 100 hours a week to have a very successful business and you might actually have an even more successful business by taking a step back and giving yourself the grace and the time for creativity and those passion projects. So I think there's so much to talk about in the freelance space, which is why I'm really excited to be chatting with you because these are the types of conversations I want to have. You know, I want to help women understand that work should be enjoyable and choosing freelance should give you more of a life than you had before. Agreed. And like your message is so clear online. 
I never have to question which content is yours. I never have to question <laughs> what message you're trying to put out there, who you're trying to reach. It reaches well and authentically, and I absolutely love that about your brand. And yeah, it's grown tremendously from the time I started following you years ago when you first started. And I absolutely love what you do. I feel like transparency is the best thing we can do. And yeah, I'm happy you brought up that it is okay to take on less work during the summer or whatever season of business you feel like you want or are trying to be in really all depends how you want to function your business, how you want it to grow, and it can prosper if you do take less clients. So I'm super happy you said that because I think my creativity in the last three months has been tremendous in comparison to maybe other months where I felt like I was overworking myself. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. And I would also say that Anna is a huge part of the voice and community nowadays. So I'm super thankful to have Anna helping us with all things community and social media because burnout is very real. And I I had been in the Facebook group for five years straight and I love chatting with our community, but having another voice in there has helped me drastically. And Anna comes in with a fresh look on things that I need to step back and like look at again after five years. So it's a good team we have. I love it. Yeah, I really love the community. Being a part of it's really fun. I think with freelancing also, like, there are no rules. You can really do whatever you want. And almost sometimes that freedom is overwhelming because there's so much you want to do. You don't know how to do it, maybe. There's not really, like, a guidebook or a correct way to do anything. So I love seeing all the questions that come through the community. And I love seeing, like, all the different fields that people are freelancing in. Like, I feel like you really can freelance in any field, which is amazing. And the community has just grown with so many incredible women. So you mentioned that you, you know, were taking on a bunch of different clients at the time before this. Who's the type of client that you really look for nowadays? I recommend anybody niching down and finding their target audience or their dream client. In the beginning, I definitely hadn't, and I didn't think there was like significant importance in it for myself as a branding designer, a graphic designer. I thought there's no need, like I can work for anybody. And that is such a lie. And I'm glad I moved out of that stage of my initial business. Like we said, there's no rules. There's no guidebook. You learn along the way. So I would say my dream client, I work with people in lifestyle and wellness. I really love working with those types of people. And I also work with a lot of people in health, in the health industry. Now, the reason I say this is because I do enjoy working with people who are usually 35 plus. I do work with people that fall out of that spectrum. But in terms of like what I wrote down, I actually like three years ago wrote down a whole persona. Okay. And I wanted to like manifest these dream clients. So I wrote down what they do as hobbies. I wrote down their ages. I wrote down fake names. I wrote down what their struggles were. And I recommend anybody doing this. So some of these people, if they're in the health industry, they probably have zero time for themselves and they want to outsource to a professional. And I think that's one of my dream clients because I love when someone comes to me and they say, Hey, I know you're the expert and I want to work with an expert. I want to work with someone that can offer me help. I don't have time to try it myself. So I'm here putting my trust in you. And I can't wait to see what you come up with. I think those words are like music to my ears. So anybody within the wellness lifestyle or health industry, I really love working with them. Even other creatives as well. I work with a lot of interior designers, home stagers, a lot of people that own Airbnbs, funny enough. I love working with the home industry people. 
but at the end of the day, they usually lack time. And that was a really key characteristic that I eventually pointed out that my clients have. They just don't have the time and they really want to put trust and effort into somebody else that can make their vision come to life that they were imagining beforehand. That's a lot of different industries. How do you balance back and forth between working with people in different industries and like find ways to stay creative with each of them and fill all of their needs? I enjoy working with those sectors of business because they are challenges. They're creatively challenging. I think a lot of times I see a lot of brands that look the same in those industries and I enjoy being pushed outside of the box. I am one of those people where if I get comfortable in something, I get bored. So having different clients that I book for a month or two months or, you know, the retainers that you can guarantee that something will be finished by. I might have someone in skincare. I might have someone who's a chiropractor. I might have someone who owns a boutique, so on, so forth. And with that, my creativity is way more challenged than if I were to be working with the same people over and over again. I think it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to be repetitive. But at least if I can illustrate for myself key traits that they have, communication is really important for me. If I can identify the great communicators, then those are my dream characteristics in a client. And in terms of staying creatively inspired when working with so many different types of people and businesses, I have truly set up so many different ways to ensure that I feel creative. But full disclosure, I don't know anybody that feels creative every single day. I wish I could. I wish I could honestly just say I feel creative every single day as soon as I wake up. And I don't. But I can guarantee that I'm going to be working on something new every day, which sparks my creativity and like my interpersonal challenging skills. Every day is so different. And I appreciate that. So for me, I wouldn't have it any other way in terms of that aspect. Do you have any little things that you'll do at home to like spark creativity? Do you step away from the computer and do anything in particular that helps you when you come back to a client? I do something in the afternoon and I'll do something in the evening for myself. I can't guarantee every morning I will. I would love to, but every lunch break and every evening I do something for myself. Now, I hit a point one time two years ago where I had no hobbies and that was so disappointing when I look back on it. Like, how did I not have hobbies? Like, how could I sign off off of work and just loaf around and not have anything that makes me feel happy or allows me to feel replenished before my next work day. So in the afternoon, I 100% am going out to a trail right by my house or just a walk. I mean, I have a dog, so he kind of forces me, but I get out every single day when you're a graphic designer or, or whatever, to be honest with you, we're all in front of our computers. We're sitting for eight, nine hours of our day. So we really need to get moving to get the juices flowing, in my personal opinion. And then at the end of the day, I'm probably not doing that. But I can guarantee that I'm reading a fiction book. I actually used to just strictly do nonfiction. Now it's fiction. I think it pushes my brain to really exceed my imagination that I thought was possible. I like to like envision things. And so if I can illustrate the characters in my mind and a plot or the home or the locations, reading a fiction book has helped me tremendously. And I can just kind of sign off of my real life and kind of go into somebody else's life. So if I'm not reading a book, I'm also illustrating on my iPad, whether it's Illustrator or Procreate. I'm illustrating as well. I give myself little drawing challenges as well, probably trying out new cooking recipes. I was in the singing industry for 12 years. So I still find myself just making time to sing randomly in my bathroom. And I feel so bad for my household 
but so many different things I do as soon as I sign off for the day or in the afternoon. That's when I make time for myself. I love that you say that because I was just going through the same thing where last week I was feeling a little burnt out from work and everything. And we have a lot of extracurricular activities going on too. But I was like, I just need to do something for myself that isn't reading a business book or hitting the next thing on the calendar. And fiction books has been a huge help. Like I bought a new Kindle. I make sure to take the time like to go out and read it for a little while each day. And it has helped my brain like unlock a new area because I'm always so like, this needs to get organized. This needs to do this. What do I need to get next? This kind of helps me like take a step back, have a little fantasy. My husband was like, you don't watch these shows with me, like these types of shows, but you're reading those types of books. (laughs) But it's been fun. So I fully agree on like having, you know, those side passion projects, but also things that you can just step away from your brain and like give yourself a break from all the things. Because when you run your own business, you're always thinking about what you need to do next. And you can't be doing that 24-7. You can't be working on that. Even during lunch today, I was like, okay, so we need to do this for the podcast and we need to do this. And I was like, I need a break. (laughs) So... It's really helpful to just take a step back and, you know, replenish your brain with some new ways to stay creative, whether that be like offline or with new clients. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the fiction books because it's the only way I've found that I can actually sign off. I never have been able to sign off. But like you said, as freelancers and business owners, like you truly don't. Sometimes you're just always thinking about what you need to do tomorrow, what you need to do next. Did I reach out to that person? Oh my gosh, wait, what's on my to-do list for tomorrow? Do I have a meeting first thing when I wake up? And the only way I found I could sign off was through picking up a fiction book and putting myself in the shoes of the character and going into that life versus just feeling like I always need to stick into mine. But maybe it's the creative in us, Tia, and then uh, like maybe we just like <laughs> moving into a different world sometimes. <laughs> I can definitely relate, especially working from home. Sometimes... I don't get out of the house. Like I have a dog as well. So that forces me out of the house. But some days when it's really busy, I'm not able to like go to a coffee shop. And maybe Mm -hmm. I don't even have a lot of errands to run. So I find myself at the home most of the day. And I think that picking up a book that like transports you somewhere else is definitely a nice little break. So pretty much everybody needs to pick up a new fiction book after this podcast (laughs) and go adopt a dog. Oh, yeah. Love that. Highly recommend. (laughs) This is your homework. Very important. (laughs) Danielle, would you consider your podcast something that you do for fun or does it feel like work sometimes? It was made to have fun. It's a passion of mine. I When I was in the singing industry, I was constantly behind a microphone, talking to people, meeting new people, meeting new performers, being judged, which was hard. And then when I started my podcast, it was a thought that I had in my mind for years on end. And I thought, maybe this will get my kick out. I don't need to be singing, but this will allow me to meet the creatives that I was so thankful to have met along my journey when you do theater or you do singing competitions. Like you just, you become a family. And so... I don't consider it work because after I sign off from the podcast, I actually feel really rejuvenated. And it's shocking for me to say because I am an introverted entrepreneur. 
So I usually need to like ensure that I'm in a good mental space before I record. But for some reason, when I talk to creatives, we've all gone through something. So it's great to talk to other people like that because you realize you're not alone. You get to learn more about other industries of creativity. Like it's not just one thing. I think a lot of people assume that if you're creative, you're an artist. There's so many different realms of creativity. So getting to meet those people on a weekly basis when I'm recording is a lot of fun. The only time I'll say it feels like work and that's why I have my assistant that helps me hook things up and get things together would be the admin. I don't know if I find it fun to get episodes coordinated. So love me, my assistant for that. But the actual portion of recording is definitely fun and a huge passion of mine. Very cool. Beyond the podcast, do you have any other avenues that you take with work? I mean, you're very multi-passionate. So besides design and creative studio work, how else do you work with your clients and help them? So I acknowledge that not all of my clients have a budget to work with a freelancer all the time. And I appreciate someone actually acknowledging that and saying, unfortunately, I don't have the budget, but they would like some help. And it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that maybe a passive income stream would be beneficial for myself and for clients that maybe just aren't ready to do that whole investment for their business or their new side hustle or whatever it is that they're working on. So I developed a design shop earlier this year in June, and it's literally dedicated to the busy entrepreneur or designer. So it can help anyone in any kind of field if they need to send out contracts, if they want to make their Instagram presence look great, there's editable templates. Truly, there's a lot and there's more coming this fall that I'm really excited to announce and say stay tuned for it. So that was something that was a lot of fun to launch and a lot of fun to introduce to people that inquire but just don't have the funds or the time even to dedicate to working with a designer. Sometimes I don't think they'll realize that we need communication in a timely manner. And if you're busy, I completely understand we're all in different ways of life. So being able to introduce this passive income stream helps them and it helps me to be creative too at the end of the day because I don't feel like I always need to take on client projects 24-7. There's other avenues that can help me out as well. We're huge fans here of passive income streams. And I think it is really important. You don't have to be a designer to have some type of passive income stream going. You just need to put your thoughts and your education and your resources down on paper for people who are looking for a you but can't afford a full you. And I think it's been really helpful to see our freelancers create these extra income streams because then you're starting to make money while you're sleeping and you know there's only so many hours in a day that you can be working and fully on so if you can create a passive income stream for yourself that also allows you more time to think creatively about your business and what you can do next but it pays the bills in the background for you and worth it for your mental health at the end of the day sometimes yeah so you can go to italy again Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The plan, the goal. (laughs) Speaking of uh, mental health and going to Italy, what are some of your favorite self-care practices and how have these self-care practices changed throughout the years of your career? Self-care has changed tremendously since the beginning of my career. Some of my practices involve actually talking to myself in a nice way. And I know that sounds crazy, but I know we all talk to ourselves in our head and we tend to be really mean. So that was actually one of the best self-care practices that I had to instill in my personal life. 
even in my business life, like self-care practices in everyday life need to happen. So I used to have a lot of self-doubt and that would talk me out of taking out any opportunity. So the self-care I had to do was make time for myself and embrace the fact that I can't have a personal life in the evenings because I felt like my work defined me. So my self-care practice was ensuring that I had at least four to five hours at the end of a workday for myself, whether it's to watch a movie, be with a loved one, be with my dog and go to his favorite meadow and talk to myself and celebrate something. So I think the best self-care practice that I can recommend to anybody besides just talking nice to yourself is to celebrate even the small wins. I never celebrated. I would just be like, oh, great. Happy I got that. Bye. And I would just go to sleep. And that was it. I wouldn't talk to people about it, at least the people that would be excited for me. I wouldn't maybe get takeout or crack open a bottle of wine or make some sangria. Like I didn't do that for myself. So even like the small wins of if you had a lot of meetings that day that you were really scared about in the morning, that is a win. So you should make that self-care practice into making time for yourself and probably getting, you know, takeout and that burger or that pizza and opening that bottle of wine that's been collecting dust. So that's one of my favorite self-care practices aside of ensuring that I'm talking nice to myself and making time for myself in the evenings. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's super important to be nice to ourselves. We can definitely be like our biggest critics. And I think that is probably what contributes to us working these really long hours and experiencing burnout and taking on more than we can handle at a time. But when it comes to burnout, how do you handle that? And how do you recognize burnout in yourself? And how are you able to say, hey, I've got too much right now? Like, how were you able to realize that you needed to back off so that you could go to Italy? I'm one of those lovely people where burnout gets to the point where I'm mentally and physically exhausted and you actually start to feel it and you probably get sick. I guess I'm just one of those lucky people where that happens. But so once I identify the early signs, because you do get to know yourself a little more after you've experienced it for the first time. And the first sign for me is I'm not looking forward to working the next day. And that might be because I've overworked myself or maybe I'm not working with some ideal clients. I've maybe something happened that day that didn't work out for myself. So I will literally make the plans of either taking the morning off the next day and being transparent with my clients. If they're expecting something from me, they might have to get it the following day. And so I think like communication at that point is really key when you have these relationships with your clients. So if I do need to take that time the next day, or I need to make sure I get to bed early that night and I told somebody they were going to get something Just be honest, because I doubt 24 hours is going to kill your client. So if you can identify that you're feeling tired and your work isn't going to be up to par and you won't be happy with it and your body needs that time to rest or you need that vacation, be honest. At the same time, though, even if I'm not feeling burnt out, but I'm trying to plan for a trip like Italy, I literally am crazy when it comes to my plans. I ensured I could only work with X amount of people before I led into that trip. I was wrapping up projects. I warned my clients a month ahead of time that I was working with saying, I'm actually heading to Italy and France for three weeks. Let's try to figure out a plan to ensure that this gets finished before then if you don't feel that you want to wait until I return to reconvene. That way I gave myself a whole entire month 
to work on all those projects without overwhelming myself with waiting maybe a week before and then saying, hey, I'm leaving, bye. So I really am that type of person that will start on something super early to prevent the burnout. But if I am burnt out, I am taking that day off and I am going to bed early. That's that's really good. I'm sorry that your body reacts to it that way. <laughs> but I think for me, like I definitely realize maybe when it's too late and I hate disappointing people. So I personally can definitely like Feel that. take the advice of being more transparent with clients and communicating my own needs. But this was amazing, Danielle. I know that me and Tia learned so much from you and our audience is going to learn so much as well. Yeah, thank you. Is there a piece of advice or words of wisdom that you'd love to end the podcast with today? Depart us with. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been like so much fun. And I love talking about even just life and what we can do for ourselves, even outside of work. I feel like that's something, again, that we are talking about more. So thank you for having me on to talk about this type of thing. In terms of a piece of advice that I'd love to end off this episode with is that it is okay to say no and trust your gut instincts and make time for yourself. And I'm still living and learning through this piece of advice myself, but I wish I kind of had like a little voice or supporters that told me like, it's okay, like treat yourself great. You didn't quit your nine to five job to like have a horrible boss or whatever you had to be an even worse boss. Like I didn't, I didn't intend for that. So be nice to yourself. Don't doubt yourself. If you need to say no, it's okay. And everything works out for the best in the end. If that project didn't work out or the client is upset or whatever may happen, like there's so many different end results. Everything happens for a reason. And you're just trying to be the best version of yourself for your clients. And if you're working hard, they see that. So don't feel guilty. Don't feel disappointed in yourself. We're perfectionists and it's okay. But please make time for yourself and tell the self-doubt to piss off. Give yourself some grace. Danielle, how can our listeners find you? They can find me on two different platforms. The first one being, if you want to check out some projects, behind the scenes, anything about my personal life, you can find that all on at Daniela Bonte Designs over on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to hear more about the Bring Up Creativity podcast, or you want to hear from amazing creatives that might inspire you to start a side hustle or get that hobby going that you were thinking about, there's so many different types of creatives that join me on Bring Up Creativity, and that can be found at Bring Up Creativity on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us today on For the Love of Freelance. And we hope you will go over to Danielle's podcast because she has so many great pieces of wisdom on there also. Thank you again, ladies. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you so much for listening to For the Love of Freelance and being a part of our community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and join us in our Facebook group at Freelancing Females and shop the freelance shop at thefreelance.shop. Thanks to Janessa Clapp for editing and producing. You can reach us at hello at freelancingfemales.com. We'll see you next time.